spring forward at Banana Republic Factory with 50 to 70% off everything. Shop season favorites from colorful dresses to easy tops from $19.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Shop 50 to 70% off almost everything at Gap Factory. Get 60% off select jeans and dresses. Shop the sale through March 28th at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. This is Kim Meyer, host of Choose to Rise. Thanks for listening to the following broadcast on Public House Media. media i don't have headphones today because i'm just out here in the wild but not you know the classy wild because i have a super fluffy bathrobe and and perrier's pocket so it is a bit wild but it's not too wild certainly not too wild no for friday that's what i can tell you for sure anyway take a second to share the show hello roger how's it going i heard that it's very cold in la Right now, I heard that it's very, very cold. Where in the world are you? I am in India. I, uh, and that's how I ended up out here in the wild because um, it's it's Diwali time. Today is like the actual day of Diwali, so um, but the parties are hard, kids. They're very, very hard. So that's why that's how I ended up out here in the wild, if you can believe it. I wish I had a sticky thing to hold my phone up, but I don't. Anyway, so it's me and my fluffy robe and my Perrier, and my ring matches my Perrier. Look at how that, I have this Peridot ring, and it's basically Perrier glass. You'd never know. You don't need a, um, a, a gemstone for this. You could just bust up a Perrier bottle and set it, and it literally looks the same. Anyway. Um, the wonderful Baxter of Public House Media reminded me, I think like two days ago, um, when are you back in LA? <sighs> That's a good question. I'm not totally sure. I think January, cause I'm shooting in December, um, in Mumbai. So I think January is going to be the answer to that. Um, and I have so many things to do and hopefully the weather will be better <laughs> by the time January rolls around. Anyway. Um, Baxter of Public House Media had reminded me like two or three days ago that, um, I've been doing this show for three years, three years ago. Oh, the, oh, thank God, David Bobke. It sounds good. Oh, I was worried about that. Good. That's wonderful. Cause I don't have headphones today. Um, because again, I'm out here in the wild. Um, they have great bathrobes here. Not great headphones. <sighs> that I've been doing this show for three years. As of this week, you and I have been sitting here doing this every Friday for three years. Can't stop, won't stop, okay? No signs slowing down. So I found this article um, from Fortune, but it's back from 2017, but I still think it it rings true today. So we're gonna do like a little bit of a, um, a kind of a throwback and we're gonna see, um, 
see where we're at with this. And on top of it, I think it's a good idea to, um, now that morale is kind of low, to see what people can actually do in their lives to really kind of get on the train here and actually propel it forward in some way, shape, or form, or at least in their lives. Um, because not everything is, you know, tweeting at Melissa, Alyssa Milano. There are other things to do. So, um, according to Tamara Burke, who is the founder of the hashtag MeToo movement, she says that um, one actionable step is for um, for everybody involved to be accountable, and that includes bystanders. So, people seeing something going on need to a give off to make it perfectly clear that they don't tolerate it. Um, and that they're not going to, there is no amount of, um, gaslighting or back and forthing or whatever to dismiss what they saw with their own eyes. So that's, um, one thing you can do, especially from something that you might not actually be directly involved in, but you might see something. And if you do see something, you have to break that spell of he said, she said, and, and be the bystander who has a zero tolerance policy. So one's at the ready, basically, according to Tamara Burke. Um, the second one was from Shauna Thomas, who's um, the head of Ultraviolet, which is like a empowerment organization sort of thing. Um, and she said, continue to expose and hold more Harvey Weinstein's accountable, but in other industries. Because let's be honest, old Harvey, like, he's an icon for sure. He's an icon of the hashtag MeToo movement. And, you know, I guess you could say of entertainment in general. But there's more Harvey Weinsteins of more industries. Like, let's be honest with ourselves. Like, are the victims going to be, you know, celebrities that you've heard of? Probably not. Or maybe. Possibly. Um, depends on the industry. But there's plenty of people out there playing by Harvey Weinstein rules. Although he is a very strange man. Uh, uh, let's not overlook other Harvey Weinsteins of other industries because the story isn't as sexy, isn't as compelling, isn't something that Ronan Farrow and the New Yorker are going to take up. Um, and that's super, super, super important is that this isn't just a media thing. It's a, we have come to an agreement in our society as a whole, as an entire world, that we're not about this life anymore. Like we're not we're not here for it, we're not doing it, um, and we're not gonna continue to do it. So <sighs> picking out different industries and exposing those Harvey Weinsteins and Matt Lowers and Bill Cosby's and all of those Ron Jeremy's. Um, although I think, again, Ron's a real weirdo too. Anyway, other industries, other Harveys, just keep going on down the line, leave no stone unturned, basically. They're like Pokemons, you gotta catch them all. Um, from Elizabeth Billy, who is um, the head of a society for um, human resources management. She said, solid corporate policy and disciplinary action without retaliation, even if it comes back with a, you know, they don't find that there was a, an instance of harassment. And that's true, especially when we're going to start talking about other industries um, and rooting out those issues and, you know, Again, that's a due process. You've got you've to bloodhound that and figure out what's what, who's who, and what the actual situation is. So having solid corporate policies 
in place that don't include a pathway for retaliation for people who do report. Um, because not having a plan is having a plan. It's planning to fail, right? Obviously. So having those ready to go before something happens, before somebody makes a complaint, before it's an emergency situation. And that goes for anything in life, right? Don't let it be an emergency before, you know, it gets to be to a place where, you know, now you're scrambling. Be prepared. Expect the unexpected. Even if that's uh, expect the unexpected in corporate policy. Um, I haven't had very many like real outside of entertainment jobs before in my life, but it seems like that's something that companies should have to piggyback off of that. Um, Jenny Yang, uh, this, she's the CEO of M Train, which is like a corporate um, team training kind of a company. Um, she said the company should have third party. Um, Th neutral third parties taking these sexual harassment complaints, taking the brunt of that. That way it's not involving inner office politics, inter company politics, and that's the third party who doesn't care about any of that is evaluating the situation in, in assessing um, what did and didn't happen and conducting their own investigation. Now, I'm not over really a big fan of outsourcing, but I think. Um, Considering how much bias and, you know, deep personal level sexual harassment complaints um, deal with, I think, I think that is a good opportunity to let a neutral third party handle it and they will conduct their own situation. Everybody else just keeps working or takes a leave of absence or whatever needs to happen and the the wheels keep churning and somebody else over here is um is doing the you know doing the scrub down and then oh this woman has a very interesting name lauren leader chive um or chive i can't really tell either one there's no accent mark um she's the, the ceo of all in together um Hello, thanks for coming in. Um, to piggyback, ask your company to install said aforementioned policies. So that's 100% true if you're working at a company and they don't have um, a plan in place, a policy in place, a third party, a neutral third party waiting on deck should the, should the occasion call for it. Ask for that. Especially, and it's a great thing to do when you're, um, I'm out, you know, I'm just out here doing my best there, buddy. Um, asking for those things, especially when you're in the hiring process. I think now that we have a super hot jobs market and, you know, a lot of people are going in for new positions, positions are being created for people. Um, that's a great time to be like, so what's your stance on this? What are your policies on this? Who are you using to, you know, be your to be your investigator in this situation um and it's a good way to ask about kind of like so what's going on over here how much do you guys care about the situation what's your tolerance policy like without um getting into like personal stories because i feel like if, if a company is prepared for these things or they're getting prepared for these things or they're open to suggestions on how to get prepared for these things their tolerance level for it's going to be a lot lower than some places like, I don't know. Oh, we don't do that. Like, okay, well, then I don't have time for your situation. So 
that's also a good one that almost anybody could do in your workplace is ask about, um, so what do we do? What are we doing about, um, you know, company policy? And even if you work at some like small, like mom and pop place, even just having a conversation with them, I'm like, okay, so like, what's the plan if I see something? What's the plan if I do, or if somebody does something, um, who do we talk to? How do we handle this? And if it's just that question, if it's at a real small place, then that's better than nothing because not having a plan is having a plan to fail. Okay. So, um, Lee Gilmore is a professor of women's studies at Wellesley. Um, and she said that it's not enough to just, um, like have these incidents pop up and then deal with them, but you know, and stuff them away in the back in a back of a closet or in a file in a drawer somewhere, but to collect the data and find the patterns and inconsistency and see what you can do with that data. Because that's true when you just, especially with something of this subject matter, sensitive subjects, people just want to stuff away and get rid of it. It, the earliest convenience, like just dump, just stuff it somewhere and we'll never talk about this again. Um, and to be fair, a lot of these cases have NDAs, they have gag orders, they have all kinds of, you know, arbitration and adjudication and this, that, and the other thing. And a lot of times that does bar people from talking about it, but that doesn't preclude that company, that institution, whatever, from collecting data. Maybe it's nameless and faceless, it's just sequence of events. Um, to look for patterns or inconsistencies or like where they have blind spots, bottlenecks. And the thing is too, is like, if you had any, any other aspect of your company, you'd be collecting data. You collect data on your market research and your customer demographics and all that stuff. Like you're going to have to keep some inside data going too. That's also, um, that's also, it behooves you to do that. And some companies keep a lot of, um, data on their like employee retention, employee turnover, all that stuff. And I would imagine, again, I haven't had that many real jobs outside of entertainment, but I would imagine that your employee um, retention and turnover would have a lot of correlation with this sort of data. That's just my opinion though. And then um, the last one, number seven, is equal the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, obviously in the United States government regulatory body. Um, it said that it sounds counterintuitive, but to support managers for taking claims up the flagpole. So if, especially if you've instituted new policies or, um, you're trying to not clear the air, but like breathe new life and like, okay, this is a policy that we're doing for this. Um, this is how this is going to work and rewarding, um, the positively reinforcing the, that behavior of managers taking those new steps, um, instituting those new policies and being that grease between employee wheels and higher ups, especially when it comes to, um, fielding and reporting and shepherding claims of sexual harassment. So, if you can do any of those things, and I'm sure you can do one of the things on this list, I'm sure you can find something on there to do, even if it's just asking about what the plan is for this type of scenario at your workplace, or not even at your workplace, if you're just a bystander and you see something weird going on, 
as much as I love side eyes, that's not enough. Sometimes it is. Sometimes you can just be like, I see you. What's wrong with you? Um, but other times you're really going to have to like break the spell of the he said, she said, and put it out there and like make it abundantly clear that you can see what's going on and you're not here for it. No, like literally no one's here for it. It's 2020. If you've survived the apocalypse, we're not doing this nonsense anymore. We're not. It's not happening. You're done. You're canceled. It's over. Knock it off. And maybe that will be enough if it gets nipped in the bud where it won't end up, you know, being, again, an emergency. So I guess that's the overall arcing theme here. Don't let things get so bad that it's an emergency and it's it's a crisis situation. Intervene. Have a plan. What to do. Execute said plan. That sort of thing is worth its weight in gold because there's a lot of shock when you see these things or you hear these things. And if you have a plan in your mind or if you've had any sort of training on something like that, you'll default to that as opposed to panic. And um, in my time of interviewing survivors of sex crimes and gender-based violence, some of the worst trauma that they encounter is people's reactions when they tell them. That's kind of the thing that alters the course of um, the lives surrounding them is how those people react. And overwhelming majority of the time, up until now, it's been um, a not safe (laughs) space reaction. So I will leave you with those things, those seven things. Let me know in the comments which ones apply to you, what you have done, what you haven't done, what you're willing to try, all that stuff. Leave that in the comments. And then check out other shows on Public House Media that um, are not nearly as dark or dismal as No Filter Friday, like Choose to Rise or Disarming Disability, all these other wonderful shows. And we're on Amazon Music now, by the way. I put that link in my um, Instagram stories the other day. We're on Amazon Music. So hundred percent true. Um, Roger commented, you could totally avoid an awkward atmosphere in the future of a workplace if you already know how, um, how your job is supposed to handle this. A thousand percent true. If you already know what to do, you're going to save everybody a lot of, um, anguish, whether that be in time, resources, emotional turmoil, whatever. If you have a plan, you can execute it. You just go. You don't have to sit around and think about it or make knee-jerk moves because we all know knee-jerk moves very rarely, you know, garner the desired result. So I will see you all next week for another No Filter Friday. God only knows what's going to happen between now and then. Um, I feel like as we approach the holidays, people get crazier and crazier. Um, So we'll see what happens and what comes out. Also get yourselves ready for Giving Tuesday. Very, very important. So I'll see you all next week. Share the show um, because when I do the show like this, I can't share it until later. So bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye.